0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. What I'm going to talk about today is the fifth and final installment of a five-week series called Living in the Holy Spirit. And Several times during this series, we have mentioned a Jewish holiday called Pentecost, which literally means 50 days, and it's 50 days after Passover. It's also 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead uh, on this particular Pentecost, which changed everything forever in the church, because 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, something incredible happened, and that's what we're going to talk about today, from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, and what Jesus did 40 days after he rose from the dead, he He met with the disciples for the last time. And he said, not many days from now, you are going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power. And you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And uh, then he went up into heaven while they were watching. So the guys... 11 of them who had been there went back to Jerusalem, went to this house, and they and 109 other people, 120 in all, gathered in a house, and they started praying. And every day they would get up and they would pray, and they prayed all day long until dark, and then they went to bed, and then they got up the next day, and they prayed all day long, and then they went to bed, and this cycle went on, not for one day, not for two days, not for three days, not for four days, but for ten days. Now, here's a question I have. How many of you, and I don't want you to raise your hand because I don't even want to know. How many of you would come for 10 days and pray for 12 hours waiting for something Jesus said was going to come? That's a long time, 10 days. And and when it happened, um, everything was different forever because the promise of the Holy Spirit, which if you've been coming all five weeks, you know the promise of the Holy Spirit was given by God the Father, and Jesus expressed it in the Gospel of Luke. He expressed it again in the Gospel of Acts chapter 1, and today we're going to talk about its fulfillment. And here is the take-home point. If you're here for the first time, we make one point every week, and it's called our take-home point, and here it is. It's the simplest of the five weeks. It might be the simplest take-home point in the history of new life. The promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. Would you say that aloud with me? The promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. So this is what we're going to look at today. We're going to see that the Holy Spirit didn't just come to 120 people on the day of Pentecost and that was it. But that opened the door for the Holy Spirit to come into the lives of every believer from that day to this one. And it will continue until Jesus returns. So... What we're going to do, we're going to look at Acts 2, 1 to 21. We're going to do that a little bit at a time, and then we're going to uh, reflect on those little uh, snippets from that amazing day. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word, which says that you are God, that you created everything that exists, that when we turned away from you in sin, you sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty so that we could have life now and forever. And that you sent your Holy Spirit to live and dwell in us, that we might have a power beyond any human power, that your will may be done and your kingdom extended from here to the ends of the earth. And that's our prayer today, that we would receive that power in our lives, that the influence we have would be multiplied because it's your influence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in Acts 2, verse 1, it says this on the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. So notice the descriptive language. You have to understand, as we just mentioned, 10 days, day in, day out, praying from morning till night, and they're waiting and waiting and waiting, and what's the word, the key word there? Suddenly. It was all of a sudden. They weren't expecting it, even though they were expecting Suddenly, this sound like a windstorm. It doesn't say there was a windstorm. It says it was the sound like a windstorm, and it doesn't say that there were actually tongues of fire, but it was like tongues of fire, and they came down and rested on all 120 believers. This is important. It wasn't just on the 11 apostles, the special guys. It was on all the believers. There were men and women there. There might even have been children there. We're not sure. But all 120 received the Holy Spirit in that instant. And, uh, th- and John the baptizer, who had prepared the way for Jesus, had said that he had come to baptize with water, but one would come who would baptize them with the Holy Spirit and fire. And when the Holy Spirit came, he came as or like fire fire. Now, it says next. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Everyone present, all 120 people in the room, began to speak in a language that they had never learned. They were able to speak in, in a way that would allow them to speak to a bunch of people who happened to be there on that particular day because of it was a Jewish holiday. We're going to see that right here. It says... Godly Jews from many nations were living in Jerusalem at that time. When they heard this sound, they came running to see what it was all about. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were beside themselves with wonder. I love that statement. They were beside themselves with wonder. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking the languages of the land where we were born. So... This was an amazing experience. They had never seen anything like this. And they were amazed. These are Galileans. Galileans. There was no university in Galilee. There was no center of learning there. These guys were blue-collar people. And, and, And yet, they were able to speak the languages of 120 different countries. It's pretty amazing. And so it says this. Here we are. And this is all the countries that they named. There may have been more. But Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya towards Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabians. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. So how many folks heard them speaking in their own language All, all, every single one who was in hearing distance was able to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in their own language. And it says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd were mocking. They're drunk, that's all, they said. You see, there's always more than one way to see God's work, isn't there? There's always somebody in the crowd who says, "Eh, I don't think it's God. In this case, they said, They're drunk. Now, Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles. He shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying these people are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk by 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, that's pretty practical. It's a little too early to be drunk. And then he goes on. No, this, what you see this morning, was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people, your sons and daughters that will prophesy, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon will turn to blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And this is my favorite. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How many of you have ever heard that scripture before? Uh, I know a lot of you have because we've said it like twice, three times maybe in this series alone. And I I don't want you to raise your hand this time, but... How many of you have experienced that a little differently because of what's been happening in your life over the past couple of weeks because of this series? I know some of you have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit over the last few weeks, and so it it maybe seems a little different than it did before. In any case, the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. That's our take-home point for today. We're going to take a closer look at this text as we consider what happened that changed everything forever on that first Christian Pentecost. And the first thing that happened is the coming of the Holy Spirit to the believers on Pentecost was a once-in-history experience. Let me say that again. It was a once-in-history. It never happened. Once-in-history means it never happened before. It never happened again. Just like that. The day the Holy Spirit came to all the believers, at that time, on the whole planet, there were only 120 people who believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that He had died on the cross, that He had risen from the dead, and that He was in heaven and that He was coming back, that He was going to send His Holy Spirit. There are only 120 people in the world who believed that that day. And we're going to read together. We've already read this, but verses 1 to 4 aloud, we're going to read what happened when that unique experience happened. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability." Okay, we already read it once, we just read it twice, and this was the initial fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 was written hundreds of years before this, in what we call the Old Testament era. And Joel the prophet said in the last days, God was going to send his spirit on everybody old and young, men and women, servants, and free. Everybody was going to have the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit, and here it's happening. And what we're going to find out is that at the end, Of that day, at the end of Peter's message, more than 3,000 people had trusted Jesus as their Savior and Lord and received the Holy Spirit. So the first day, there were 120 believers. They received the Holy Spirit. And then 3,000 more. But guess what? When those 3,000 more became believers, they didn't hear a rushing windstorm. They didn't see the tongues of fire. They did receive God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they did receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues, but they didn't have the same experience. And the point I want to make is simply this that we know that God never changes. The Bible says this in Hebrews um, chapter 13. It says, I had to figure that out. Okay, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. God never changes. However, how God works in our lives and how He appears in our lives does change. If you think about it, when God appeared to Moses, He appeared in a burning bush. When God appeared to Joshua, He appeared as a fiery soldier. When He appeared to Abraham, He appeared as a wanderer, You know, basically a guy who was going from this place to the next. When He appeared to the twelve apostles, He appeared as the man, Jesus Christ. And when He comes to us, He comes as the Holy Spirit. Now, how he comes is different. For some, like Pastor Alfredo Linares, he comes in a vision. He came that way to the Apostle Paul. To some, he comes when you come forward and have somebody lay hands on him and pray for you. For some, he comes in the privacy of your own home. One guy I know went to a hotel room and he locked himself in the room and he said, God, I'm not coming out till you baptize me with the Holy Spirit. And God gave him the Holy Spirit, not because God was held hostage in any way, but because God wants us to experience all the fullness of himself. So on the first Christian Pentecost, here's something important. The coming of the Holy Spirit was only to the Jews. There were only Jews in Jerusalem that day who were hearing the message. The message of Pentecost was a message for Jews. And one of the things that we probably don't realize is because Wait a minute, how many of you were Jews by birth? Anybody here in the room a Jew be- before you became a Christian? No one. Huh, in- in- interesting. All the Christians were Jews in the first, uh, you know, on this first Christian Pentecost. But what happened is that the Jews eventually started rejecting the message of the gospel, and Paul and Peter and others were given the message to give to the Gentiles, which simply means non Jews. And so eventually the message was given to everybody. But on this first Pentecost, it was just Jews who received the message. It says this, godly Jews... From many nations were living in Jerusalem at that time. When they heard this sound, they came running to see what it was all about. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. The Jews in Jesus' day took pilgrimages. They would travel hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles to go to Jerusalem for Passover or for Pentecost or for other um, holy days of the Jews. And these were godly men and women who were in the town, and they heard what was going on. It was an amazing thing. And as we already read, not everybody agreed what was going on was a good thing. I love that the Bible is so honest. It doesn't just tell us the good stuff. It tells us stuff that isn't seen as so good. Because whenever I, um, you know, when I live my life, it's not all good stuff. And so when I mess up, I I really am glad for those parts of the Bible that talk about people not getting it the first time or the second time or maybe the tenth time but needing to have a lot of different opportunities and a lot of tries because it says, we read it already, that Pentecost, the, the Pentecost event when the Holy Spirit came, it received mixed reviews because what happened is this. They were beside themselves with wonder. The godly Jews were beside themselves with wonder. They said, how can this be? These people are all from Galilee. Yet we hear them speaking in our own languages of the lands where we were born. We all hear them speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked. But, and there's always this but in many passages of Scripture that shows the other side. But others in the crowd were mocking. They're drunk, that's all. So some were beside themselves with wonder, they were amazed and perplexed, and some were just saying that they're drunk. Where I live, where Nancy and I live, and in the evenings on nice days, we can see a beautiful sunset, and we weren't able to do that where we used to live, so we like to watch the sunset, and, and we, we see the sunset and we go, wow, God is amazing. But somebody else could stand on our front porch and they could see the same sunset And they could not even notice. Or or they might say, well, you realize that's just dust particles being refracted, you know, in the skyline as the earth rotates. Some people will pick up this book and they'll say, this is the very word of the living God. And other people pick up this book and say it's a book of myths and legends. You see, the thing is, not everybody sees God's work as God's work. Not everybody sees the coming of the Holy Spirit as the coming of the Holy Spirit. Because even when God is at work... The eyes of faith still need to see it. Some people see the miracle of birth and they just see a bunch of chemical processes going on. And some people see the miracle of birth and say, God has touched, you know, once again, humanity and continued humanity because that's what God does. God created two people and then he lets us create the rest. God lets us be involved in his creative process but some people don't see it that way. But that's the way we see it with the eyes of faith, from, from God's word and God's truth. And so when the Holy Spirit came, there was this group who said, wow. And the other group who said, they're just drunk. And Peter addressed the ones who thought it was drunk first. And his response was both both practical and prophetic. The first thing he said was this, look, how can you say they're drunk? It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. The bars didn't open by 9 o'clock in the morning in Jerusalem in those days. So you couldn't be drunk yet. And then he said, here's what's actually happening. And we're going to look at Joel chapter 2 one more time. This is the last time in this series. It says, know what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and on signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, God had promised that in the last days He would pour out His Spirit on all the people. Peter tells us that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit had begun. In other words, the last days had begun. People ask me all the time, more and more and more as time goes on, Pastor Chris, do you think we're living in the last days? Of course we are. I mean, we started living in the last days 2,000 years ago. The day the Holy Spirit came to all the people, that was the day the last days the clock started ticking. How long do the last days last? I don't know. There's no T at the end of my name. It's just Chris. Now, some people are going to be upset. Some people have been upset because of the next thing I'm going to say. I don't care when the last day is. I'm not trying to figure out when it is. Here's why I'm not trying to figure it out. Because Jesus said nobody knows the day or the hour. Not even the son, only the father. So if only the father knows, I don't really need to know. I'm on a need-to-know basis. I don't need to know that. But here's what Jesus said. Here's what it's going to be like, folks. It's going to be like in the days of Noah. Everybody was you know, going about their daily life. They were being married, given in marriage, and then the flood came and everybody drowned. It's going to be like this, folks. It's going to be like in the middle of the night when the thief comes in and, and robs stuff. And nobody knows when that's going to happen. Because if you knew the thief was coming, you'd call the police and have them waiting in the driveway, right? So here's what I'm going to say. I don't know when the end is coming. I know it is. And I know this. Jesus told me to get people ready. That's my job. My job is to make sure that you cannot be ill-prepared. That you have to know that Jesus is coming. It could be this afternoon. It could be next week. It could be next month. I don't know when it is. He is coming. So I'm on the welcoming committee. I'm asking you to join me. I'm not on the planning committee. Okay? So enough about that. That's a sermon for another day, maybe. I don't think so. Not for me. Maybe Brad wants to preach about that. Okay, so somebody asked me this question about this passage. It's a good question, and and I'm going to actually address it. Since it says the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people, does that mean that all people have the Holy Spirit? It's a good question because it says all people. Well, the answer is no. Not all people have the Holy Spirit, just like not all people are followers of Jesus. Because Jesus gives us the opportunity to be born again, but we don't have to be. And Jesus gives us the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit poured into us, but we don't have to receive it. Because as some people have put it a long time ago, the, the God is a gentleman. He doesn't force us to believe. I mean, I wish that I could force people to believe. I really, I'm, no, I really don't, I guess. But, but I sort of do. You know, because some people are so stubborn, and I just want them to believe. I, I just wish that they would trust Jesus and they would start living the life. But God give, gives all of us the opportunity to say yes or no. And when we say yes, we receive salvation. It says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? But after we say yes, there's more. There's not just yes there's yes and, and we can be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. We can, you know, we can have these gifts that, that are mentioned in the New Testament of, of the Holy Spirit. And we can have the daily opportunity of being able to, to pray in a way that, that no one else outside of the body of faith gets to. I mean, do, people have said to me, do you think God hears unbelievers' prayers? Well, of course, God hears everything, but God responds to the believers' prayers because there's a special connection, a special relationship. And I actually have seen God answer prayers of unbelievers, and those people became believers. So anyway, um, this is the interesting thing that happened on the day of Pentecost, that 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit came and Peter explained what was happening. He went on to preach for a long time, it says. And at the end of that preaching, this is what happened. When the people heard this, Peter's preaching, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. When Peter finished preaching, the people were convicted of their sins. The word convicted simply means this, that in their hearts they knew that they were sinners, that that they were the ones who had crucified Jesus. It was maybe they weren't there that day. It didn't matter if they were there that day. It was their sins that had nailed Jesus to the cross, and we weren't there that day, but it was our sins that nailed Jesus to the cross. And when we're convicted of that, we realize something has to change. And I love it because the people didn't say, oh man, I feel really bad. I'm so guilty. What they said is, what should we do? What should we do? And Peter gave them a very clear answer. Repent, which simply means turn around, turn away from, change your mind from a mindset of sin to a mindset of God. And after you repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and then it says you'll receive the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that in the goth, or in the book of Acts, when we have the Holy Spirit coming, sometimes somebody gets the Holy Spirit and then they get baptized in water. Sometimes they get baptized in water and then they get the Holy Spirit. Because the order of the baptism isn't what's important. What's important is repentance, trusting Jesus Christ, calling on Him to fill us with the Holy Spirit. That, that's what's important. And being obedient, which being baptized in water is a step of obedience. So the first step of obedience we have to Jesus is going to simply solidify our commitment to him. And what these folks did, 3,000 in number, they were not just convicted, but they did something. They repented and they believed and they received the promise. The promise was fulfilled in their life. And remember what it says there, the promise is for you. That's those of you who were there that day, for your children, the people that maybe weren't even born yet, and all who are far off, that would be us, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And Peter, again, was only speaking to Jews that day. So, how do we know as Gentiles that the promise is really for us? How do we know it wasn't just a Jewish promise? Well, all we have to do is turn to Acts 10, which Pastor Brad did the second week of this series, and we have to read what Peter did. In speaking to a group of Gentiles, led by Cornelius, who was a Roman soldier, and he brought all of his family, they were all Gentiles, they were all Romans, and it says this, while Peter was still speaking these words, that is, words about Jesus, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the the message, literally fell on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter, that's the Jews who were believers, were astonished. That the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So, how did the Jewish believers know that these Gentile believers had the Holy Spirit? Because they were speaking in tongues, just like it happened to them. When they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. In water. So they were baptized in the Holy Spirit first and then in water. But the point is they were Gentiles just like us. We are Gentiles by birth and enemies of God by birth. But because of what Jesus did on the cross and because of what the Holy Spirit did on the day of Pentecost, we can have the same benefits of family membership as the Jews. So as we close this series, I want you to remember the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. What we've been establishing throughout this series is that the Word of God is still true and that the Holy Spirit is still active. I know there are people that don't believe that. In fact, just on the way out of worship today, even after five weeks of this series, somebody came up to me and said, You really don't believe that the Holy Spirit's still working, do you? (laughs) Yes, I really do believe that the Holy Spirit is still working. You don't really believe that you can actually speak in other tongues, do you? Well, since I've been doing it for 40 years, yes, I believe that too. You don't really believe, yes. I believe that what the Bible teaches is true, and I've experienced it in my life. And one of the things I said to this person is this, you know, there are people out there who all they want to talk about is the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and they're very immature, and and really that's all they care about is, look at me, look at me, look at me, because I can speak in tongues. Well, I would just stand with the Apostle Paul, who said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than the rest of you, but... In this environment, I'd rather speak five intelligible words than a thousand words in a tongue. And that's why our worship services are pretty normal. Except that there is a power of God here. People have told me. I've experienced it. Pastor Alfredo, who really knows, told me. The Holy Spirit was really there in your service and in us. Yes, he was, Pastor Linares. He is every week. You see... The goal that I have for all of us, it is that we'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but much more that we'll be filled. Because the fruit of the Spirit comes from filling. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this is what I know. If people, if people in a church actually live out that fruit, it will change the community, which will change the county, which will change the state, which will change the nation, which will change the world. That's God's plan. It's always worked. And you say, well, Chris, the world isn't changed. Well, no, it isn't. Why is that? Because there's a breakdown starting with me or starting with you. There's a breakdown in the local church. There's a breakdown in the community. Somewhere along the way, the power of God is not stopped because there's no power. The power of God is stopped because people don't believe that God loves us as much as he does. And that he's still working as much as he ever has. One of the things that I, I, I just beg of you is to understand how much God loves you. Because the world is telling you the exact opposite of that every moment of your life. The world is telling you you're stupid. The world is telling you you're a loser. The world is telling you that you, you, know, you need to have this car or this house or this whatever. And Jesus is simply saying, I love you. And so right now, We're going to close this series by doing this. Same thing we did the last two weeks. I'm going to ask you if you're able, would you please stand with me? And would you please close your eyes? And as you're standing there with your eyes closed, I want you to consider this. If Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, that means He's not the owner of your life. Owner is simple. I have a car. I own it. I don't have payments. I own it. I have a title. It says, it's my car. Jesus, if he owns you, he has the title to your life. He can tell you to go to Cuba or Haiti or anywhere, and you'll say, yes, sir. He can tell you to be generous, and and you'll say, yes, sir. He'll tell you to start letting the Holy Spirit live and dwell in you, and you'll say, yes, sir. If you've never done that, you've never said, Jesus, you're in charge of my life. You're my Lord. That's the biblical word. You're my Savior. I'm saved from sin and death. If you've never done that and today you would like to, would you please raise your hand? If you've never ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, given Him ownership, would you please raise your hand? Okay. You may put your hand back down. And now, uh, those of you who have trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you've never had that special connection to God that you know must be there, but you never have experienced it, um, and you want that, or if you have that, have had that but right now it just seems like you want to be filled up more you know you want some more in your life of the Holy Spirit would you please raise your hand right now okay you can put your hands back down and would you please open up your eyes and look up here for those of you who just said I want Jesus to be my owner I want you to do me a favor I want you on your connection card to write your name and address and put down here on the back I committed my life to Jesus and we're going to turn in you know, our connection cards and our offering as we leave today, just as we did last week, there will be folks back there with offering baskets. Please put that there so that I can follow up with you about that commitment because there are things that we can do to grow in Jesus that are very important. If you raised your hand and said, I want, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want more of the Holy Spirit in my life. Then what I want you to do is one of two things. When we're singing this final song, I want you to come up and receive prayer. There'll be folks up here to pray with you. Or, if that's not how you think the Holy Spirit's gonna come in your life, and you just want him, you just want to ask him yourself, that's okay, then just stay where you are and raise your hand and just say, God, fill me, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Because God comes to us how he comes to us. There's not one formula, there's not one special way. And as we as we pray and as we sing, And as we reflect on God, I I simply want you once more, once more, remember this. There is a God who has a son whose name is Jesus. He died because he loves us. And he died because justice required that our sin be atoned. That means paid for. And he paid the penalty. And he not only gave us a new life, he gives us his spirit in abundant measure so we can live in a way that nobody else can live.